Welcome back, everyone, into a very exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very special guest joining us today. All the way from sunny California, we are being joined by the producer Dan Karkoska, also known as DJ Dank, who is with the Coquettes. And the Coquettes are coming back to New York with their new show, Second Coming, which is Saturday, September 9th at 9.30 p.m. at Joe's Pub, which is at the Public Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting publictheater.org. And this is an incredible group. It's a very timeless group. Uh, If anyone knows our history, you're going to recognize the name of the group. But we are so excited to have Dan on to tell us more about it and about this great second return of the Cockhead. So let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Dan, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited to have you and to be talking about the legendary Cockettes. Legendary indeed. Yes. Another course uh, would be able to put it as well. But yeah, definitely legendary. <laughs> and they are making their glorious return back here to New York coming yes. up this fall. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Cockettes and their show Second Coming? Sure. The Coquettes date back to the Summer of Love, 1969. Hibiscus, who you see behind me right there, who was in the main poster art for our 50th anniversary show, he is the originator. He was a man, if you've ever seen the the photo of the soldiers with the the young man putting a flower into the front of the gun, that's Hibiscus. That's Hibiscus, pre to being Hibiscus. He came to San Francisco, became Hibiscus himself, and brought and kind of created a commune of people that were all like-minded. He was in love with uh, classic movies from the 30s, musicals especially. Evidently, many people have heard that they would meet him and he'd be in a tree in Golden Gate Park singing to the world and attracting people. He evidently he was kind of a Pied Piper of, you know, poly, you know, poly sexual drug you know drug hippie types that like thought the same way he did and then they started going to midnight shows at theater here in north beach and asked if they could do start doing midnight they do little shows before the midnight going eventually the shows themselves became more infamous than the actual showing and if you think about it in some ways i think actually the audience was scarier than the actual show but it was evidently an evidently a very high party fun atmosphere a crazy atmosphere full of all these people from this you know bowling bubbling world of 1969 1970 san francisco you can almost imagine it ended up track attracting people like john waters uh, mink stole divine who all came in were in shows and all that and it only really lasted till like 73 74 and then they kind of disbanded and in 2002 there was a documentary that came out which is the first time i heard of cockettes and that was a uh, very well regarded i think by now it's been on a lot of pay services and stuff like that i think a whole, gen- whole new generation has discovered them through that podcast and then in 2010 2011 a group called the thrill peddlers here in san francisco put on pearls over shanghai which was a re-staging of one of the classic cockettes musicals and it was a giant hit i mean i went to go see that thing and i walked in i'm like oh my god this is why i moved to san francisco these are my people and i and then and then for the next 10 years they did different they would bring back different coquettes numbers well then you know the the tech guys come in and they want that that space end up taking it over and kicking those people out at that time i'm doing some shows with a performance artist called uh, an artist called bambi lake who was also part of that world and I ran into some of oh, the thrill peddlers who was who was that troop, and they said, you know, there are a lot of people that want to perform still. So I was like, hmm. 
And so I started doing shows with Scrumbly and we just kind of, nothing was officially Coquettes, but then the 50th anniversary came up and I thought, well, let's do a show. And we did a show like no other show. As you can see, it was on, <laughs> on January 4th, 2020. So I can easily say it was the biggest show of 2020 in San Francisco. Easily, because we <laughs> we were down and out. I mean, I mean, we had people, we had people, we had every paper was on to us. The block around the, it was insane, and it was a great night. And we had scheduled a lots of other coquette type things, and then you know, COVID happened. And so now, fast forward two and a half years later, and we just decided to like start the concept. A lot of it too was taking all these musicals and taking the songs out and creating a, a cabaret show. Let the songs stand on their own; they don't need the plot. Scrumbly songs are so strong that they have their own, they can, they can stand on their own no matter what, 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 what setting you put them in. And so, yeah, so we just, after pride, uh, after, after pride, huh, well, technically it was yesterday, but after COVID, we just started doing shows here and we've been selling them out. And then I applied, we started talking about New York. We thought of other places to go. And we thought, well, let's just try Joe's pub and see what happens. And they respond the day, the next day, I sent an email to them the next day, like, oh yeah, we want you. And so now we're just raising money, trying to get a bunch of crazy starving artists to get to New York and back to perform and have a great time. It's fantastic. I am so excited about this. So with this show, the Cockcat mm -hmm. Second Coming, we're going to, it's more like a cabaret show, as you mentioned. Yes. How did you come up with the idea to, of what songs to pick and put in then with that? Well, you know, I have I have my team. It's Scrumbly, number one. I mean, he he's been there since the beginning and wrote almost all the songs. He just, you know, to, and he shares some of the credits of some lyricists and stuff like that. But he, you know, he was the engineer of most of the songs. And then I have three people from the old pet thrill peddlers group. That'd be Bertie Bob Watt and Noah Hayden. And we kind of form the basic catalyst of the group as when it comes to like making up this stuff. And usually we just sit together and you know, me, I didn't do all the shows, so I just sit there and just take notes, but I just let them bounce ideas off each other and they'll pull some old musical out of some other show. And next thing you know, we have a new show and we have like, you know, eight to 10 shows to pull from. Plus Scrumbly is writing, he wrote, he writes songs for almost every show that we do to get that and new songs kind of thing going. Very cool. And what has it been like developing essentially this new generation of the Coquettes? It is so much fun because it allows people really to be their inner selves, whoever they want to be. I mean, the, the, the coquettes are about being who you are and not having and having no shame about it. It doesn't matter who you have sex with. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter, you know, what you read or how you live your life. We, you know, there's just like an overall major acceptance. And so, you know, for me, I came from film production in Texas where I grew up and I moved here and I moved into a house full of drag queens. And next thing you know, I was being like a, 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 a male prop in numbers at Tranny Shack and some of these other shows were going on at the time. I was like a UPS delivery guy. I was a zombie. I was like a secret servant agent for Jackie O. And that just gave me the bug to see all this amazing uh, entertainment and stuff that would go on here in the clubs and the drag scene in San Francisco. Plus all the just performers here. So I just kind of fell in love with it and have been, have, have, you know, have dived into San Francisco nightlife and culture for the last, you know, 12, 12 years or so. But it is just so awesome to see as it progresses, meet these younger ones who, are, you know, you meet them, they're coming through the drag world. You kind of get a lot of idea that a little bit into a little bit, a little bit more and everything. And just to watch them like take on those ideas and get a, a song under their belt and bloom and then get more and more into it. It's just, it's just heartwarming for me because, you know, 
That's one of the things I like doing. I like giving the people a step up to help them create themselves and find who they are. Will these people be on stage for the rest of their lives and begin become big stars? I don't know. Maybe. That'd be great if they were. But if not, they're always going to take that knowledge of what it takes to be on stage and be yourself and to be authentic. And that they can take anywhere they go. I love that. Yeah. What can audiences here in New York expect from the show when they head over to Joe's Pub and take it in? Well, it will be a dazzling night of really fun, naughty songs. I mean, these are songs that Cole Porter and Irving Berlin wish they could have written back in the day, but the, it wasn't an accepted norm to talk about eating ass or 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 cocksucking or fucking or anything like that. That's that was not that was not done back then. Maybe in quieter quarters where people were alone, they could do their little songs. But you know, Scrumbly and them, they just kind of wrote it the way they saw it. And I think there's a lot of liberation in that. The songs, because the thing is, yeah, they're dirty and naughty, but they're funny and they're smart and they're clever. And you will hum these songs for days. When I produce one of these songs, I have like a radio show in my head where it's like do 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 every day. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. But <laughs> talk about earworms. But Scrumbly is a fantastic uh, songwriter. And we have a whole troop of amazing performers, Kitten on the Keys, who I first saw when she first came to San Francisco. And she she travels the world, Paris. She goes to Paris all the time. And she, you know, her 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 style is naughty little kitty cat songs when she does them with like a little baby piano and a little accordion. That's and you know, of course, she's evolved too. But there's just it's just gonna be a bright, fun, fast-paced song after song, fun wardrobe. And and also kind of a history lesson. Scrumbly is going to be your friend. He's going to take you through his world and introduce this stuff to you. So it's a great way to get to know the Cockettes uh, if you're a, a beginner. But, you know, if you're a big fan, you're going to have a blast reliving all these songs and, 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 and the memories they bring back. That's wonderful. Now, I, we've been talking about how much fun the show is going to be. It's going to be mm -hmm. outrageous, fun, a good time. Mm -hmm. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping that the audience will take away? from this show? You know, for me in my life, one of the things that I've always taken with me, my, my tenant was a show that I saw as a little kid and it's, 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 it, it has informed my opinion on anything ever since then, but free to be you and me, you know, it, it's the freedom to be who we are, to express ourselves the way we are. And, and hopefully it'll inspire you to go out and do your own thing and do and express yourself your own way. That's what the power of drag is about. That's what the power of performance is about. And, you know, this is all just wrapped up the same kind of Valentine with a musical, you know, with a lovely musical wrapping paper. I love that. What a good message also to be spreading these days. For the last question of this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to the second coming? Well, you know, number one, I know there are a lot of Coquettes fans in New York area. Actually, there are a lot of old thrill peddlers and performers in New York. We'll probably see all those in the at the show. But, you know, the thing is uh, that I found out is when I started floating this idea, at first we were just like, oh, let's just find some little place to do the show and then we'll just start promoting from there. And then I had two or three friends who lived in New York and they were going around telling, oh, my friends are going to be the Coquettes here. And 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 every person came to me and goes, oh, my God, everybody wants to hear the Coquettes. Everybody, like, like as soon as I tell them the Coquettes are coming, they freak out. And so, you know, th that definitely put the put the hope that like there's going to be a great, you know, there's going to be a, a, a large group that really interested. And I think a lot of people are going to be the the thing is, is, you know, the, the, the coquettes were gender bending before that he was even a term. They just did it naturally. The, you know, all that stuff was was done naturally. It wasn't even a thing. It was just it was just innate in the group. And so I think it also appeals to a lot of younger kids, especially who are in the in, in, in that in that curious stage trying to figure out where they fit in into the whole gender spectrum. But I think that it definitely allows a lot of freedom on that. And then I think that just also fans of 
fans of Broadway, fans of of of, of clever, fun wordplay and songs. But I really feel like that this is something that, that the younger generation is looking forward to hear. And it's kind of like, you know, your elders speaking to you with this idea that has been around for over 50 years. And and it's still as 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 right and functional and usable and fun and sexy and exciting as it was then. switch things up now and let our listeners get to know you a little bit better okay and i want to start by asking what or who inspires you what playwrights composers shows have inspired you or some of your favorites you mentioned you're in film so i also will open up that as well <laughs> you know what inspired you know the gosh first thing i ever saw on stage was pearl bailey and hello dolly i was probably about seven maybe eight I don't know but I remember being really impressed by it and I wanted to and 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 my mother was into musicals MGM musicals so I was raised on on um, Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and all those all those kind of things but you know when I think back on it so much you know everything has inspired me and the thing that I keep keep thinking back on is what did I love when I was younger what was inspired me then I mean you know once 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 puberty hit it kind of changes everything and so that kind of led me back to the origins of putting I used to put on shows in my garage with my best friend and we would do at the we'd we'd always you know everybody I would get the neighborhood kids to do do different numbers and then we would do take me out the ball game at the ending and then the neighborhood kids would come see it I mean it's like a classic story out of like you know Norman Rockwell I guess or whatever but it was it wasn't trust me but you know that I look back on those inspirations but it was always like theater movies my mother was big into like that kind of stuff and it just always kind of dazzled me you know when I go through my life and think of some of my heroes I would say like Julia Child was a hero growing up I really liked her she was different she had her own way of expressing herself and I thought she was really cool always and of course John Waters I mean you know John I was I was a fat kid grew up in Texas uh, who was gay I did not have an easy time at times being me uh, or learning to be me and so all of a sudden to see John Waters come on and talk about divine and talk about how great it was to be a big person and how good it was you know, and you made you feel like that you uh, you 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 belong somewhere you found you found your you found your tribe you know and then I lived in Dallas for all those years where there's a bunch of conservative self-hating queers there and I could never fit in and when I finally did I found out they were really boring and then I finally met somebody from San Francisco and they rescued me and brought me here to San Francisco 18 years ago and and then and then just seeing the the performances of some of these queens that I you know I've always been into like drag and drag shows I don't particularly dress in drag or do it because I don't like the makeup or the wig or the dresses it's just not my bag but I love the art and I love the expression of it I feel it is one of the most easy ways for anybody on the planet to express themselves if they have lots of money or if they have no money I mean I have seen people take a garbage bag and you know two or three other things some cha-cha heels and a wig and do this number that will blow anybody away more than somebody that's done this whole like you know five thousand dollar production with all kinds of headdresses and stuff it's all about the spirit that's into it and that's one of the things that that always drives me too but but i just love seeing people being creative and i love creating that space for them themselves so you know that's i guess you know i guess that's the answer yeah i love that answer though well kind of going on that note 
Have you seen any great theater or shows lately that you might be able to recommend? Well, I'm really excited. Right before Pride, they did a version of Wizard of Oz here that was very much inspired by the 90s club kid movement here and stuff like that. And that was really imaginative and fun. That was fun. And I'm also super excited because here in San Francisco, a course line just opened up at SF Playhouse. It's a it's a nice more of a localized group, but they did a Follies about six months ago that was really good. And I've never actually seen a chorus line on the big stage. So I'm super excited about going to see that. You know, when I'm coming to San Francisco, I've, I've already looked at what's going on in New York when I get there. And the ones that are like pulling my eye, of course, the Wiz, because I have never seen that on big stage. And I would love to go see the Wiz. And Sweeney Todd, got to see that. And uh, some like it hot looks interesting too. I've heard good things about that. But I love theater. I love having a theater fix. Matter of fact, right before COVID, my favorite job I had at the time was I was you, know, you have to get these big jobs when you're an artist because, you know, you're not that rich. So I had a job as a usher for the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child for about six months before COVID. And that was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. That was just being able to sit there and watch that show day after day after day. A little, you know, you see little bits and pieces of it, you know, over and over again. But it was always just a great way to go and see that, to be that. I love being part of theater always. has always been something of mine. I mean, I remember seeing... I remember seeing, oh, hell, what was it? Torch Song Trilogy on the stage when I was like 19. Woo, that blew my mind. But, you know, all these other things. But but I remember seeing M. Butterfly, which one was probably one of the first times I've ever sat in a theater and had my mind blown, where I was just like, oh, my fucking God, this is better than any theater I've ever seen in my life. So, you know. I love me some movies and I and 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 I love and I love I love cinema. I love the power of cinema as well. But the more I've lived in San Francisco, the more, you know, I, I've always, you know, I'm a show ho at heart. Yes, you need that that community, that live connection. Mm -hmm. That connection, the way yeah. the audience is. I mean, uh, you know, you can even hear, I mean, I remember one time one of the Coquette shows is that you could hear the wall and it was vibrating with everybody so excited and clapping and having this these frenzied reactions. Because I mean, in San Francisco, the Coquettes are a big deal and they have a big following of like all these older, all these, all these older hippies come out and they're like giving you mushrooms and acid. Oh, come on, ah! you know, and having a good time. It's always, it's always hilarious. But, you know, they love those. And I mean, literally just being able to feel the vibrations of that wall, it makes me cry because, I mean, I feel like I'm doing something. I'm doing something good, giving people this feeling, this, this, that, 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 that says so much for me, what, what I want to do. That is a beautiful lead into my next question, which is oh. what is your favorite part about working in the theater? You know, there's the parts that's like the beginning part where you're just starting to kind of like make the plot and figure it all out together and having it come apart. And then somebody has a has an idea that all clicks it in, whether it's the name of the title, like this last one, Second Coming, we could not get a title anywhere. I'm sitting at a bar like at 1145 at night. I'm just thinking about it. And all of a sudden it's like, Second Coming. And I like text it to everybody and they're like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's that creative process of, of working together. I really enjoy rehearsals are rehearsals are rehearsals. But you have to have them. And, I mean, you know, San Francisco loves the idea that you can just, like, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. But, you know, sometimes you need to rehearse. And then, of course, you know, for me, it's always when you finally get to that point, you get through all the rehearsals, you get through the dreaded tech rehearsal and all that kind of fun stuff. And then you get through opening night, which is always just like, oh, God. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I got like three or four days where it's just like coming and doing this every day and just being able to show up and do voice, you know, sound check and talk to all the thing you know it's, and just see people in the state well you know show up and be all excited and take pictures and all that kind of stuff you know it's just it's just you know the whole thing pays off in lots of ways i can't really say i hate any of it but but i do love when the show's going and we're just there having a good time there together the the camaraderie backstage and then just the and then and then and of course that spills over 
onto the audience too. As a producer, my job is to make sure there is that camaraderie backstage, that everybody's having a good time laughing, bringing people presents, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Because that means the sh that, that means that I've done my job of creating a group of people who are a, 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 a unit together, who have love for each other, and they're going to share that on stage and the audience will feel that. That's fantastic. I love that. And what a perfect segue again into- Hey, I'm good at segues. Yeah. Into my favorite question, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? My gosh, there are so many. You know, as a kid, like I said, as a kid, seeing seeing Pearl Bailey and Hello, Dolly was pretty amazing. And seeing Yul Brynner and The King and I, you know, these are things that like come to my, to my head immediately. But, you know, I think, you know, at this point, I have to say it was when I put together my first little show with Scrumbly, and then we called it Tinder is Your Loin. Because, you know, the the dangerous, sketchy kind of area for poor uh, people down here is the Tenderloin. And 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 there was this theater called Piano Fight down there that was around the middle of it. And I booked it. It's like a, it's like a black box theater, holds about 120 people. And I was all excited. You know, I had come up with the idea of the show, come up with the name, brought them all together. And that was like that first time. And my friends were like, when, well, why are you doing it there? I mean, you know, that's a scary neighborhood. And I said, well, we're just going to make the show reflect the, the, the neighborhood. So we called it Tender is Your Loin. And it was all these great songs. And then Bertie Bob Watt, with a producer, brought all this, found all this poetry that had been written by kids that lived in the neighborhood, about their neighborhood. And so we interspersed all these classic coquette songs by Scrumbly with these readings of these, of these poems and these things these kids had written. And, you know, out of the mouths of babes. And so it was just such, it was so powerful. There was no plot. It was just the music and the, everything was just about the idea of the Tenderloin and all the music reflected different kind of personalities that would be there. And then the poetry. And by the end, I mean, at the end, the audience went nuts and I could not stop crying. I mean, it was the one of the most emotionally satisfying. Oh my God. Getting, you know, you know, you know, for Clint thinking about it, but it was, that was that feeling that like I could do what I wanted to do in the theater and I had the ability to create and make something and it would be successful. And, you know, that's saying a lot when you're just kind of like start off on your own, you're doing drag shows and, you know, you everybody sends you their number and you play and you DJ and you kind of get into that thing. But once you take up that next step and get to that next level of, of, of success or, or whatever it is you want to go for, you know, that always feels good. But yeah, tender is my loin was a big watershed moment in my life, I think. But yeah, I'd have to say that'd be my favorite. Wow, what a wonderful memory. What a wonderful show that sounds like. Oh, it was great. You'll hear some of the songs in the show. <laughs> I can't wait. That's yeah. a beautiful memory. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Do you or the Coquettes have any other productions or projects coming up that we might be able to plug for you? Well, I mean, you know, right now we're hoping to do some more stuff when we're in New York. If we can sell out that first show, by the way, the tickets go on sale in the next couple of days at Joe's Pub, and we would love to sell out the show early so we can, they said if we sell out to 930, we can do a midnight. Oh. So we're hoping to sell out and do that extra show because, you know, we're we're traveling across country and the profits off of one show aren't going to do much except for have it give us, you know, kind of pay for what we're spending. You know, and right now we're just really raising funds right now. You can see, I mean, see here, I'm wearing the, well, if you didn't know that, I hadn't mentioned this. So the one thing, the other things the Cockettes are famous for is the glitter beards. They created the glitter beard, the idea of the glitter beard. You see that in society now, that didn't happen for the Cockettes. The Cockettes did that. And so for our fundraiser, we're selling Cockettes, specially designed gl silver glitter beard t-shirts of hibiscus. People want to try to, if they want to get one from me, they're $25. You can reach me at DJDankSF at Gmail. 
and I can send you one. We take any form of payment and I can send it to you. But that's one of the things we're using. We also have a sticker pack of stickers from all the different shows that we've been doing. And we have a big fundraiser going on July 8th at the Cinch to start raising raising money. And then uh, personally, me, I, I work, well, I'm, well, I do a lot. And I also have a cannabis column for the last seven years in a, a, a paper called 48heels.org, which is kind of like the liberal voice of San Francisco here because we have a lot of corporate owned newspapers and entities and 48 Hills is all people from San Francisco writing about San Francisco. I've been doing that about seven years. And then I created Huff, which was the very first queer cannabis drag party in existence. There was a, it was actually happened in a bar, one of the only cannabis events that's ever happened in a bar. And we did that from 2016 to 2020 before COVID broke us down, but I'm heavily involved in the cannabis community here. I know in New York, you guys are still trying to roll that stuff out. We've been doing it for a few years. And right now I'm pretty, I'm basically coming out of COVID. I saw these kids going back to clubs and doing the drag shows. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I want to be up to two or three in the morning. And, you know, I started DJing when the beginning of the thought to get me laid. And I was, boy, was I wrong on that. So basically I've took, so I all those kids doing that. I didn't want to stay up that late anymore. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take everything I learned in the, in, in the, in the, in the club, nightclubs. I'm going to put, take it to the smoking lounges of San Francisco. And so right now I'm, I'm producing, I produce the uh, 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 cannabis cabaret. I have produced Tokioki, which is drag cannabis uh, karaoke. And currently on second and fourth Saturdays of the month at Mission Cannabis Club, I produce Bongo Bingo, which is drag cannabis bingo. We give away bingo prizes and have a drag show and play bingo. And beyond that, I'm always creating new shows, new clubs. And as a matter of fact, funny that I'm on a podcast today. Tomorrow, I'm creating my own podcast called DJ Dank's Mission Cannabis Control, which will be about... Queer cannabis, San Francisco, along with movies, theater, performance personalities. I want to talk to everybody in the cannabis community, from bud tenders all the way up to growers, geneticists, all that kind of stuff, but from a queer a queer perspective. So, you know, I always, one of the, one of the things that I do about me is I, I like creating shows and putting new stuff out there. And that's just kind of the thing I've been doing for about 12 years now. And I really, I really enjoy doing it. I've had multiple drag shows, DJ afternoons throughout the years. And, and yeah, it's, 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 it's great to be part of that and to be, and to be, and to be creative. You know, I used to think that I couldn't be creative unless I was out on the stage performing, but then I realized no, you can be just as creative in creating shows, giving opportunities for other people to have a stage promoting and this being, being your, being yourself. And I am, I am my own personality. I'm DJ Dank and have, have been for about 12 years and hopefully continue to be and be create world domination. You know, I'm, I'm coming to New York with one show. That doesn't mean I can't bring a lot more shows there. I would love to become more bi-coastal. In that way, thing is, I you know, I I I I love New York. I love the idea of New York, but the weather, eh? I don't know. You know, I grew up in Texas. It was hot. I don't want to do that again. And it's colder there for longer. San Francisco, it's like it's like it's like living in air conditioning all the time. We have like five to ten like hot days a year. So, and that's like eighties. So, uh, you know, it's just I would like you know, but but for me, it's just always taking on new opportunities that that that, that uh, are brought to me, and I have I'll, I'll probably have another couple ideas about something to do in the next few days. It's just the way, I, the way I roll. That all sounds absolutely amazing. I love how oh, big I'm you a are. Fascinating human being, I'm telling you. You are, and I I just love how many irons you have in the fire. This is incredible. But building on that and leading into my final question, if our listeners okay. want more information about the Coquette Second Coming or about you, if they'd like to reach out to you perhaps, how can they do that? Well, on Instagram, they can reach out to Coquettes are Golden, which is the uh, page I run. You can see lots of photos from our previous shows, uh, links to any fundraisers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, on Instagram, I'm DJ Dank SF. 
And you can also email me at djdanksf at gmail. And of course, on Facebook, I'm Dan Karkoska, K-A-R-K-O-S-K-A. It's Czech, just if you're wondering. Perfect. I hope this is the first of many performances here in New York. This is so exciting. So, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time today to oh speak with me. Oh, my gosh, it's been so much fun. Has it already been that long? Oh, my God, it has. <laughs> See, get me talking it about myself. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I hope we have you back on again soon because Anytime. it's been a blast. And I'm, I've am i loved learning about the Cockettes, and I appreciate you sharing everything no today you've shared. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Hopefully, you know, we'll get some more of the Cockettes on to meet you. Yes. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you like, so much for having me on. Thank you. My guest today has been the producer, Dan Karkoska, also known as DJ Dank, who is with the Coquettes, who are having their New York return and their show, The Coquettes Second Coming, Saturday, September 9th at 9.30 p.m. at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting publictheater.org. They are also currently holding a fundraiser for this show, and you can purchase an incredible t-shirt that shows the iconic glitter beard with the word cockheads in it, just by emailing dan at djdanksf at gmail.com. That's also a great way to get a hold of Dan. You can yep. also follow the cockheads on Instagram at cockheads are golden. And you can reach out to Dan by following him on Instagram at djdanksf or find him on Facebook at Dan Karkoska. Either way, this is going to be a great show. September 9th, you're not going to want to miss the incredible return of the Cockettes here to New York in their show Second Coming. This is an iconic group. We can't wait to welcome them back. So hurry and get your tickets. We are trying to sell the show out before they get here at that second show. Let's do what we can to make the homecoming, if you will, of the Cockettes here in New York as big as possible. That's the Cockettes second coming Saturday, September 9th at 9.30 p.m. at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.